0: Hey man Hey dude, how you doing? You right? I'm good, just currently at the podcast HQ HQ Yeah, it's um Hasn't got any better HQ, that's to say Yeah, we're, we're, we're actually currently doing this from Will's bedroom so yeah. it's not Well that's you.
1: how all the great podcasts start right
0: here Oh really? In yeah. your bedroom? In my bedroom <laughs> <laughs> Anyway <laughs> Moving swiftly on <laughs> Today, we've got Andrea Clark on the podcast, uh, who is a casting director. Uh, I actually know Andrea from before the pandemic. Uh, she cast me in a couple of projects that she was working on. Uh, we're absolutely thrilled to have her on and um, share her insight with you. She's worked on all sorts feature films, commercials, short
1: films, um, video games, corporate films, and new media. media everything. Content. Everything. All everything sorts, everything all you sorts can you think of. She, she is a co casting director of films like Keeping Mum. Dog Soldiers, and The Thief Lord, which has starred a young George McKay, mm-hmm. um, who is in, if you'll remember, uh, 1917. That's correct. Well, uh, among many other films, he's very, very talented. Yeah. Um, and and she,
0: did, she did all those um, prior to setting up her own company in 2006.
1: Yeah. Um, and we go into the podcast in detail about why you should use casting director for your short film. Mm-hmm. It's super, super useful for anyone out there who's... Yeah, looking at expanding their network of actors that they work with on the short films.
0: Yeah, she talks a lot about how um, creatively it's important to be very open when it comes to the casting process and how having a casting director can um, improve the film overall because of that creative collaboration. Mm. She's got a great analogy which she uses, actually. Which we're going to save, for, yeah, yeah. <laughs> save for, for when you listen to the podcast properly. Um, but yeah, it's great to... like understand a bit about the process of casting on a film or a short film and also a bit about how it's often different Andrea talks about how yeah, every, every job is different We also talk about self-tapes versus in-person auditions and the
1: pros and cons of both of those. Getting name talent on your film as well, yeah. Um, And also, what I found really, really interesting as well is her talking about actually how, in short films, a lot of directors use the same actors over and over again, and Mm -hmm. how that actually could be detrimental maybe to your development as a filmmaker. Indeed, yeah. Um, How you should stretch yourself and using your casting director helps in that regard as well. Totally.
0: But she's honestly so great, and um, yeah, I was absolutely thrilled that she was willing to come on and share her insight with us, as well as you all, so I think, yeah, we think you're going to get loads out of this, so... um, Super, super useful episode, I think. Absolutely. Amazing, let's
1: roll that intro. Roll it.
2: Andrea, thank you so much for, um, you know, agreeing to come on the podcast, Short Films, Big Questions. It's, yeah, it's really, really nice to have you here.
3: Well, thanks. Thanks a lot for inviting me on. It's, it's my first, it's my first podcast experience.
2: Wow! Yeah, exciting. Honored. <laughs> <laughs> and also you said that you'd only ever listened to one podcast before and that was our, one of our podcasts, right?
3: Completely true. I'm, yeah. yeah. I'm a podcast virgin. I have tried listening <laughs> to lots of podcasts, but I listened to yours and that was the only one that I've listened to all the way through. And that includes Amazing. some really oh, well. famous podcasts as well that I just yeah.
2: Wow, didn't, actually, didn't click uh, with.
4: Wow. <laughs> I, don't right, Will.
3: I think that I think that what you say is get get with it, girl. Stop <laughs> uh, listening
4: I think I think um I think you should just continue only listening to our podcast. <laughs> yeah.
2: Several times over and over again. Get our views up.
3: Okay, I agree to that.
2: <laughs> well, our first question um we thought we'd kick us off with is um Wondering if you could explain to us, Andrea, why you should have a casting director for your short film? Say I'm a director, why, why should I employ a casting director?
3: I think a lot of the time directors when they come to do um, a short film think that they can handle the casting themselves and they think, yeah, casting it's easy, it's quick, we know what we want, we can do this. Um, it's a much, much bigger job than you think. And also, we can bring so much more expertise to the whole experience. And part of a casting director's job is to push directors and producers into avenues that they wouldn't necessarily have thought of. Um, It's a bit of a weird analogy, but sometimes I kind of think of it like if a director is trying to cast it themselves. It's a bit like going into a restaurant, not looking at the menu and just going, I'll have fish and chips. Fish and chips is safe. I know always my no fish <laughs> and chips is good. <laughs>
2: okay.
3: Whereas a casting director will go, look at the menu, look at all these other things that you could have. You might end up with fish and chips, but at least look at all these other things. You may have not even thought about having spaghetti bolognese or something, but think along these different lines and we can help form the film and the cast into something bigger or different or just help think outside the box really and push push you in different directions and on a very practical level we pick up a lot of the slack it is a big job there's a lot of admin um, and we come with a lot of experience. So if things start to go pear-shaped, you can call on us and go, we've got this problem, there's a schedule clash, or there's a problem with this actor who won't cut their hair. How do we deal with this? And nine times out of ten, a casting director will have experienced that problem before, and we've got a bank of knowledge to call on and give advice.
2: Interesting. I wonder, like, as well is there an element of if a director comes with somebody in my yeah in mind for a part so say it's like a lead part you're yeah you're missing out on yeah like like you just said you're missing out on all the possibilities of where that role could go and also you'd improve the, the project a lot i think you mentioned actually on the phone we you talked a little bit about how in some of the scripts you read there's a, there'll be a description for a character and then you know can you talk a bit about that and how that's maybe changed throughout the years and also yeah what, what what's your response as a casting director when you read a description for for a character in, in a screenplay
3: what traditionally happens in the script you look at it and it will say the role of joe aged 25 blonde hair speaks with the scouse accent something like that and What we learnt during lockdown, talking to lots of actors on workshops and Zoom calls and all of the wonderful interaction that casting directors and actors had during lockdown, was that as an actor, if you read 25 blonde hair scouse accent and you happen to be 28, have dark hair and come from Manchester, you can't necessarily see yourself in that role. So what I have tried to do very much with short films that I've been working on is say to directors and writers take away that physical description because it allow if you have no physical description in it an actor can immediately see themselves in the role and and that opens up the whole casting of the character and you concentrate on the character's um Personality and their the way their character travels through the story, rather than getting stuck on the physical description. Um, I mean, right down to you don't even have to necessarily put the gender of a character, and it's something that I think has really opened up, um, particularly with short films. That I found the people I work with have been really, really responsive to going, "Oh God, yeah, of course. We never even thought that by putting that." down as a description that we're limiting who we're going to see for the role. Mm. Um, yeah. so and the that... project
2: suffers as a consequence because you yeah. don't have the scope that you could have the possibilities yeah. of performers. You've, it... you've limited yourself down.
3: Yeah, exactly. Right. It, it's going back to that analogy. It's just going fish and chips, fish and chips
2: yeah. without
3: yeah. thinking of all the other possibilities. Um,
4: yeah. I guess it's like, if you're creating a project, then the advice you would be giving is, be more open-minded about that kind of stuff because uh, I, I think a lot of filmmakers can get kind of really stuck in their head about I want I like you say I want fish and chips I want fish and chips I must have fish and chips <laughs> and then actually it elevates the project not to 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 you know you know hands off a little bit um, sure. and see what comes
3: exactly I think it's it's allowing the creativity within the project if you open yourself up and think outside the box and just think of all of the possibilities that that character could have you Mm. start making something much more interesting Mm. yeah and as I say you might end up with fish and chips but at least you've explored everything else yeah and and in the exploration you might pick up some other little tips so you actually end up having fish chips and a side of mushy peas you know Mm. it's you're adding to the character and to the whole dynamic yeah. by exploring other possibilities
4: what what would you say to because um, so actually if you look at a lot of directors use similar cast like in bigger films they use their you know i mean wes anderson's an example using very, very the same cast over and over again and a lot of directors i do think do that and then do it in short films i guess it's a comfort thing um what do you think about about that I've always been intrigued by that.
3: Well, I think in kind of like so the Wes Anderson case, it's very much, it's kind of like his colour palette and it's mm. his stamp. Um, whereas I think sometimes on short films, um, it can just be lazy. Yeah and, it, yeah. and it's a question of, I know these actors, I've worked with them quite often, they're, they're mates, and they know that they can get, a performance out of them, and they're not stretching themselves. Um, mm. I think quite often people who are making short films are doing it from a position of not necessarily lacking experience, but they're doing it because they're trying to do something new. They're either trying to go a new genre, mm. or they are students, or they have quite recently graduated, and they don't necessarily have the faith in themselves to work with other actors other than their
4: their safety net and it's so
3: true and as a casting casting director we're here to say look there are lots of really really good actors out there try and meet some other ones, try and Mm. stretch yourself
2: and I suppose like you know just last point in this I guess from me but um, in every other part of the filmmaking process it seems like you explore all avenues I mean the one that kind of stucks to my mind is like the writing process so it's like you're going to go down a path that you're not sure about to exhaust all the possibilities of that path when you're like, say if you're co-writing with your co-writer, you're going to discuss that route. Um, so it seems natural that you should apply that to the casting as well and have that yeah. discussion and have that, you know, just give it a go and to see if it works.
3: Yeah, and, um, and it's also kind of the same with actors. You kind of say to them, try it in this this way and then I'll oh, actually maybe try delivering it slightly differently in that way and... What I would say with actors is, even if you try something and it doesn't quite work, you will carry over a little bit of what did work from that performance into your final performance, and yeah. and it just makes it richer. It adds more layers.
2: Wow, never really thought about casting like that. Yeah, it's very interesting.
3: I mean, in, in casting sessions, we're always stealing ideas from the one actor and then passing it on to the next one in the audition oh, yeah. room. <laughs> really, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: we're the like all oh, Tricks of the trade.
3: Yeah, be like, oh, we like what they did. Let's steal that one and and direct the next person that way. So (sighs) it's the same with, you know, directors looking at self-tapes or Mm. heaven forbid we're actually in the room with them. Um, You know, they'll see something with one actor and say, oh, I actually really like what they did there with that character, but I may not end up casting them, but I might steal that idea.
4: (laughs) So... What when you uh, come on board on a short film project? What is like the process? What normally like tends to happen? Uh, so I mean, you need a casting brief and then a chat with the director, I assume. Could you take us through a bit of your process?
2: And even like even initially, like how do you you know the, the actual contacting point of it as well would be interesting to know yeah, about. Like like, why why did like... you
1: go
4: on?
3: Um, I mean, I think each. I'd love to say that there's one particular set route for all of this, but there isn't. Um, It's like every other bit in the film business. There are lots of different ways to it. Um, A lot of the short films I do, I have done with um, directors that I've worked with before or producers that I've worked with before. And then sometimes it's just, people just reach out to me. They've seen something I've done, I've cast, or they've seen something I've posted on social media and they'll just reach out and go, I'm doing a short film, do you fancy casting it? Um, And the first thing I'll do is check that they've got money to pay the actors, because I won't work on anything where the actors aren't paid. Um, I also quite like to get some fee myself. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. So I check the financial status, and then I want to see a script. And if I like the script, and I like what the director's done before or, you know, something clicks, I'll just say, yeah, let's have a chat, um, which we then do. These days normally over Zoom and then we kind of take it from there. We talk about the characters. um, Sometimes on some jobs, the director knows someone that they want and they say, I really want you to try and get X person. And so we talk about the different ways that we can do it. And there are so many different ways. Um, some projects, we'll just come up with lists of actors and we'll make, an, make it an offer only. So I'll send out offers via agents. Um, other times, we'll have very, I can never say this word, specific requirements. Um, for the character um, quite often on short films they're shooting in a particular location and the budget dictates that we need somebody who is based in Cornwall or, or somewhere so I then start my search for actors who fit the brief who I think are good and who I know that are in the area and then we these days normally do um, self-tapes followed by a zoom um and then just going
2: back there a bit from mm. the from the brief, um, with that with that casting brief, is that I'd love to know like what specifically that means. Is the director like writing something out for you? Is this something after the discussion that you will write will write out specifically? How does, yeah, how does that work in, in practice?
3: Sometimes it's one, sometimes it's the other. Um, right. I, knew, I I quite like it when the director can write something about the character um, because I know actors enjoy to see what the director actually says, Um, however I would put it out on a casting platform such as Spotlight or Mandy, I probably will have to edit that casting brief down and add to it because I know that agents need to see certain things in certain places, there's a shorthand and there's a kind of there is a technique to writing a casting brief to get the right people so I have to take what the director gives me and turn it into, into something that I know will get the results the director wants.
4: Have you... Um, when I've been told to write them before, uh, I've, I've been told to put pictures in them, um, and I was always curious about that as to, to why, because it feels like then, then you are then limiting yourself quite, quite a lot to what the pictures are.
3: I've never asked for pictures in a casting brief. Um,
4: really?
3: Not for a short film. For commercials, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, on, uh, on commercials, we very much were given a, a look book for it. Um, mm. But no, not in a short film. Not unless it's something... I mean, I've just done one where we were casting Vikings and we needed Viking warriors. So I did, when I put out the casting breakdown add a um, actually a, a, just a, a, I just googled picture of a viking and added that on just so that so that I could get an instant um in, so I could instantly get over to agents that we needed somebody with a particular physique um, mm. so I did use it but I didn't ask my director for it it was something that I knew would help get the right people Okay. Um, but no, I wouldn't. It's a, no, I don't want to photograph.
2: <laughs> Makes sense <laughs> for all the reasons. Yeah, you discussed it does make sense. yeah. discussed earlier on. Right? Does make sense? Well, I was gonna um, say as well. When yeah, when you've had when you have that discussion and and like what we talk about, where say the director has somebody in mind, um, and I imagine for all the reasons you, you, we discussed earlier, that that can be a little bit limiting. Uh, yeah is that kind of frustrating if, if, if the director comes to you and says oh I you know I want this person this actor for this this name talent or this you know whatever for the role uh
3: yes it can be um because mm. it is kind of cutting out one aspect of my job but yeah. the the other aspect of my job is presenting offers in the best possible way and knowing what agents and actors are going to look for um, in an offer and making sure that we get all of the salient points in. Um, Mm. And and casting isn't just about knowing who the good actors are and who the agents are. It's about knowing how to present something in the best possible way.
2: Right. And then presumably, I mean, the fun part of the job, for you would be the creativity that you get to have in that cast. Is that correct? So if that if that gets taken away, that's you know you, you miss out on that that fun part.
3: Yeah, it is. It's the fun part, but also it it's the part where you feel you can really make your contributions very visible. Yeah. And so afterwards, mm. when they're kind of in the edit, they'll go, "Oh yeah, it was Andrea who suggested that actor." Mm. Um and otherwise sometimes if your involvement is purely on the kind of contractual um side of things and the admin it can be like they can kind of you can get forgotten.
2: <laughs> yeah.
3: And you know they they'll forget that you actually secured that actor for you.
2: Right. let mm. see.
3: But going oh. back going back to the whole casting process once you've got the character descriptions and you've got the actors to meet, we can go down so many different ways of meeting the actor. So either we can get them in the room, we can do it on Zoom, we can do self-tapes, or on some jobs we kind of do workshops. Particularly I've done that with um, child actors where we've done just like an afternoon of workshops for a short film, and we've seen Mm. which combinations of children work together. Um... So it, it's part of the casting director's input is knowing what the best way is to get, what the best method of casting is to get the best results for this particular film.
2: Hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, so and then for, for, if you are casting children, that that would tend to be the route you'd go down. You tend to do a group workshop or something like that rather than do auditions in person. Is, is that sort of, would that be a hard and fast rule out
3: of curiosity? I, that's one of the ways you can do it. There is mm. no set way. <laughs> I mean, that is the one thing yeah. I can tell you. Each job is different. I see,
2: see.
3: Mm. You can't, oh, cool. you cannot say, you know, this is how we cast mm-hmm. and apply it to every single film.
4: I guess after um, co or during COVID and after COVID everything became a lot more just like self-tapes, you know, self-tape, 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 nothing in person. Do you think there's something missing there when you're not actually meeting in person? Because it's it's, it's quite hard to tell from a self tape. Because uh, you can't get the vibe of the actual the actual actor themselves, which you can in a casting room. Because you can chat to them and things. Um, I'm just curious about like because I think it's all going more down that route now as well because it's easier as well, right? Just sending self tapes in or receiving them's easier at least. <sighs>
3: There are so many advantages of the self-tape for director, casting director, but mainly for the actors as well, um, that yes, they're here to stay and they're not going anywhere. There are there are disadvantages, um, but I think the advantages outweigh them and can be... So the first round will be pretty much be self-tapes these days um and we'll then do follow-ups either on zoom or in the room or, just, or sometimes just on an old-fashioned phone call um, but i think what's happened sort of post-pandemic is that we've all learnt how to read a self-tape And that we understand that a self-tape is actually just recreating the casting and it isn't recreating the final film. Um, And I think to begin with, when we were doing a lot of self-tapes, directors were looking at actors' self-tapes and going, yeah, but that isn't what I wanted. And they weren't seeing the moments within it to see how the actors were connecting with the characters. Even if they were going down a slightly different path they weren't seeing how clever the actors were being now that is different you know we're two years on we're more than two years on and actors are much better at self-tapes but directors and producers are also much better at being able to watch them and see what's there and saying, actually, do you know what? That girl did a really good reading. It wasn't what I wanted, but I think there's something there. Let's get her on a Zoom call and see if she can do X, Y, Z with this role. Um, because
2: if they were in, and you mean like if they were in person, they would have the opportunity to direct them in the kind of way they they envisioned the performance. And Because they, they miss out on that opportunity, that was the the struggle of that transition is that what you mean
3: yeah what we're missing by not being in the room is not having that ability to have redirect and an actor is only giving what their interpretation of the role is so what we're having to teach as casting directors we've been doing this all the time is looking to say actually do you know what that actor understands this role there's something there. There's a moment in this self-tape. We get it, and we want to see, and we want to see how this actor develops this character in the not. I'm not going to say the right direction, but in this, in the direction that the director envisages, and see what they do with it. What I'm finding now is the directors are now also able to see that. They're able to see those moments, whereas whereas a couple of years ago, they were only able to respond to things that totally talk to their vision of the role.
2: I see. I see. I understand. Good. Um, I
3: don't think I'm describing it very no, well. I think it
2: makes <laughs> no, you are. You are. You are. I, think, I think, you know, like self-tapes for me are really nice. I actually like them. I don't know if this is the same for... A, all actors but i think it just means that i don't have to go through that process of winning over the room or talking to the casting director and the director as as me as yayan i can just come in with the character and that's all that that matters uh so for me i quite like that there is all the disadvantages for me for me which is the bath and the you know or you know getting it on the the resolution and the and the filmmaking side of it
3: but do you know what actors pretty much now have nailed the technical side they know what they know what they're doing mm. and and i think most actors that i talk to have embraced the self tape and they love they love the fact that they don't have to spend 2 hours jumping on the tube going into central london to spend 5 minutes in front of a director and then and you know all of the advantages of that, of being able to fit it around life and all of yeah. that, it's perfect. So it's not going
4: anywhere.
2: And nerves are really an issue. Like, if you take that out of the equation
4: as well. Um, so you just have the performance. I guess you can do it as many times as you want as well. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Within the deadline. The thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
3: we don't see your bad performances anymore. Mm.
2: Mm. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. But I,
3: I also I do think one thing is though that actors sometimes can get a bit over um perfectionist and will mm. o- will do too many takes and right. and we lose the rawness and the raw energy that you sometimes had when we were in the room and some of, right. sometimes some wonderful moments come out of when it goes wrong.
2: Yeah. Mm. Mm. Can you can you notice that then Andrea? Do you like notice like um, in a self tape, that person looks like he's done it on take eleven. Yes. Or a, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> really?
3: Yeah, I can normally, I can, I wouldn't say I'm accurate on like take one to take three, but I can tell really if no one... I can tell if they've done ten takes.
4: <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. How mm-hmm. um how much are you vetting them before sending them to the director? at The self tape. So you're just sending everything or you just there's a few that are just like no there's no way uh, the director's gonna like that or
3: it depends on my no. relationship with the director um mm. there are some directors i work with who will actually just say to me andrea who should play this role and i'll go it should be so and i send in their show reel and they go oh yeah you're right it should because we we've worked together so many times that we kind of know it and then there are other people that I work with who I know need to see a lot of people in order to see the right one. Right. So it's sometimes you need to see a lot of what's not going to work in order to see what is going to work. Mm, mm, so it's up, it's up to what the relationship is I have with that director and director. producer and, know, mm. and getting to know them and know their process. Mm. Yeah. Um, and so, some want to see everything because they just want to see everything. Um, and oh, yeah. others will just say, no, who do you think should play it? Yeah. Right. Offer done.
2: I thought maybe we changed tact a little bit, um, here, unless you've got any more questions on, on that subject, Will. Nope. Um, yeah, just on, um, so your career, I suppose. And yes, yeah, so you started out, uh, doing a lot of feature films, actually. It seemed like you you made that jump pretty early on on in your career, and then you transitioned to short films. And I was wondering if you could maybe, yeah, talk a little bit about the reasoning for that.
3: When I started out in the casting world many, many moons ago. And I kind of started working as an assistant and then I kind of graduated to working as an associate and then a junior casting director, Mm. then an associate casting director within everything. And um, I was working with other casting directors and in bigger offices and they worked on lovely big films. And I was lucky I got to work with some incredible directors and get to meet them um after doing that for quite a long time a lot longer than most people I went you know what I need to set up on my own and when I set up on my own I knew that I wanted to be a one person band I didn't want to have a lot of assistance I wanted to handle every little bit of the job um so that I was the I was the person who was contacting the agents, making the decisions, holding the casting sessions, doing the contracts, doing the whole of the job. Um, and in order to do that, I, and in order to make money, I had to revise what I was going to work on. And I worked on commercials because they're nice, they're quick. You make some money. Um, <clears throat> and actually, I quite like them. Um and then the whole thing with the sort of short films is I get the creative input that I would get from doing a feature film, but with the time scale of a commercial. So for me, it mm. works perfectly. And I love that short films give me that creativity, but with a time scale that I can manage as a one person band from my kitchen table. <laughs> <laughs> And also, I can can get a work-life balance, which was a big part, very big part of me setting up on my own, was that I wanted to have, I wanted to have some life as well as some work. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Sure.
4: So I I guess independence and work-life balance, and then being able to control, like the creative element that you were talking about earlier that, that maybe was lacking before in the bigger projects.
3: Well I think on the bigger projects you do get you get all of that creative element but it just takes a lot longer and mm. and you've got to have a bigger team around you um to kind of things don't happen quickly in the world of feature films mm. and things are got lot you know you can be working on something for literally years and as a one person company i need quick turnover yeah
1: yeah.
2: do you find like did you find it i hesitate to say boring but did you find it boring like the fact that you were on the same project for years
3: frustrating is that part of
2: it frustrating yeah so it's like you know you you felt like you'd create you, you creatively like gone through what you what you felt like you you had scope to go through on that project and there wasn't really anything else for it to offer you.
3: Well, it was more the, the kind of the chicken and egg situation, whereas they, you know, they need finance and in order to get finance, they need a name. And then you can't get a name until you've got some money and, and you, and things. I what really frustrated me and still does is that really, really good scripts don't get made because they need to have a name attached. And there are are scripts that I know I read 20, 30 years ago that I would so love to have seen get made and they never got made because we never got the name attached because we couldn't, that whole chicken and egg thing. And that's what I love about short films is they, on the whole, short films get made because you you you, ta- you can tailor your budget and you're not shooting for the stars all the time.
1: Yeah.
4: What what would you say about filmmakers trying to get, I guess, a bigger name in? Because you do see some quite big names in short films. We were at Aesthetica last year and there was lots of big names in these short films. Have you had experience trying to do that in the past?
3: Um, yes, um, with varied success. Um, mm. I, I think... When it works, it works because they've correctly cast the name and they haven't shoehorned a name in. Um, If it's the correct casting, it works well, and certain actors will respond if they think, Yeah, this is a role that I want to play. Um, What I will always say to somebody who's like kind of name chasing is, Let's get this film made, whether we have a name in it or not. Let's Mm. set a time limit and say, we will give it X amount of time to get a name on board. And if we're not going to get a name on board, let's just get a damn good actor. Let's cast who is right for the role. Mm. Because that's what makes a good film. And if if who's right for the role happens to be a name, yippee! Yeah. But let's not have a name just for the sake of it. Yeah.
1: Because
3: there's nothing worse than watching something where you've got a named actor playing a role that's wrong for them.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Interesting. I just wanted to go back a bit, actually, just with your with the question I had about the, the features and the casting process there. And then you saying how much it depended on getting named talent attached in order to secure the rest of the funding. So, was it a kind of process where they would come to you with the project and then they'd require a name? And they, it would basically, the, you know, the, the total responsibility would be on you for the future of the film at that point. So, you'd, you'd be like hired, but then the film was in your hands, sort of thing, to basically make sure it, it continued.
3: Yes basically, um, and it, it is quite, I mean, there are obviously lots of other elements, but you do feel as though that they they will, that money will open up if they get a name attached.
2: Mm-hmm. So there's no, like, guarantee by the time you, because I always think of, like, okay, once the casting director's on board, this is going to go, this is going to happen. But I guess, yeah, n- you know, not necessarily if, if, if the no. name can't be attached or, yeah, yeah.
3: No, no. I mean, obviously, different projects come to casting directors at different stages. Um, mm. But a lot of kind of British features will come to a casting director at a point where they need to get a name attached in order to secure funding, mm-hmm. um, and that has a that has a sort of a bounce onto the fee that you can pay a casting director, uh,
2: yeah.
3: and there's so many people who want you to do things on deferred fees and stuff like that. Right. So, um, yeah.
2: You talked a bit about how much you love short films and how like, you know, that you like the, the fast pace of them and how you can go from project to project and, and keep being stimulated in that way. Uh, I wondered maybe if you could talk about about their place in the industry or like how, yeah, you sort of saw that.
3: I think, position of short films and how they're perceived within the industry has changed. Um, it used to be that people saw it very much and only as a stepping stone to bigger and better things. Um, and that's directors, actors, casting directors, everybody saw it as just something you do to put on your show reel to show that you can do something so that you can then move on and do something else. But I think more recently people are seeing short films in their own right and that they have their own place and they have their own importance within the industry and they aren't just a stepping stone they are their own entity um, and I I can see that very much on the type of actors who want to get involved and the way that actors are are doing it and saying, yes, I want to do this short film, and I'm not just doing it because I think it'll look good on my showreel and on my CV. I want to do it because I actually think this is a good project that's going to get seen by people and that might win some awards, and yeah. Also, I'm seeing that directors are are doing more short films and are kind of testing out different genres themselves um, it used to be that kind of it was really only the place of students to do sh- short films as their calling card. But um, yeah, I, I'm finding that I'm actually working less and less for students and more and more for established directors who just want to try something different. And um, which means it's great because I get to do loads of different types. Of work, whereas in like on feature films, you sometimes get a bit pigeonholed of like, oh, you do fantasy, you you do horror. Whereas on a short film, I can be doing a kids film or a dark comedy, or you know something historical. you, you get pulled in lots of different directions because directors and producers and everybody wants to try something different.
4: Are you finding that that's now like a big? primary reason is just trying no new material out um for short films so i guess there's the students and because we have an episode where we talk about like why why make a short film basically um and i'm intrigued in that shift then if it is just oh, i want to try romance or thriller out or if there's a is it are you finding a lot of people that have i really really just want to tell this story um rather than it just being a calling card to go make yeah, um, I, TV I, or
3: whatever. Yeah, I'm, I'm finding that directors have got a story that they go, I really want to tell this one. This is something I feel really passionate about, this particular subject. I want to tell this story. Um, others will be quite honest and say, we are making this as a proof of concept because we want to make it into a feature. Um, and others will be, I've read this really great short story. I really think it will work a short it isn't it isn't meaty enough to flesh it out into a full-length feature but it's going to make a cracking short and they just do it so I think that element of it being a calling card is it obviously it's still there but it isn't the be all and end all now
1: yeah
4: I lo- I love that it's moving in that direction I love that it's moving in that direction because I think there's such a like shorts can in 10 minutes or five minutes it can really hit you like can really really hit you hard and it doesn't need to necessarily be we've made this because we want to make this into a tv show which you know i don't know could can feel a bit vacuous maybe <laughs>
2: yeah it's it's also like yeah like we, we've spoken this a lot on, our, on the podcast but it's a different sort of skill set being able to tell a story in 10 minutes and it's good that it's being appreciated um you know rather than over a long form or a feature film i i would still like i think my perception on short films in the industry right now is that they still feel very much like artistic endeavors. I think this is possible to make money from short films, and I, and I know people who have done. Um, wow! As in, I would say, like the, <laughs> as in the do. film directors themselves but do. Yeah, I don't know if the perception in the film industry is that this this can be a financially viable way of like of you know just making a short film. Do you think that perception is out there, or, or yeah? You know, do you have any thoughts? on
3: that? <laughs> I would love to say yes, we're definitely there. I think hopefully it's somewhere we're we're on our way to that. Um, And I can see it happening because the way that we view content now as just, you know, Joe Public is such a different way of viewing material from how it was, you know, 10 years ago. Um, So there should be a space within the industry for short films to be financially viable and being driven by finance, but I want to make sure that the creativity is still there because at the moment, short short films is where interesting, exciting stuff is happening.
2: Yeah, because yeah. you can afford to take big swings, you know, and yeah. um, whereas I feel like, yeah, in feature films, there's there's so much more maybe at stake, as we discussed.
3: I mean, it's down, it's down to budget, isn't it?
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
4: have you found that um working on shorts you've been able to develop um closer relationships with directors or just filmmakers and actors and gone on to potentially features or commercials with them do you tend to is it if a director's worked with you on a short film and then they make a feature do you go i'm not doing features i'm 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 or do you stay stay with them is it more of a relationship building thing for you as well
3: it's relationship building it is completely mm. and I'm not saying I don't do features, I do, um, but I do features with people that I know and where I know that we can, um, where we can kind of move the project quickly. And yeah, I think that's probably the best way to describe it, but definitely I've, um, directors that I've worked with on short films I've worked with on commercials and yeah it's 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 building a relationship um but that yeah. isn't the only way I, that isn't the only reason I do it um no I so I, did, I didn't mean it. It to
4: sound like that I was <laughs> I was just intrigued um because I was unsure if you did go into you know if you've done a lot of stuff with shorts if the guys the people who make the shorts do commercials you go in with them
3: yes we try to stick together as much as possible but obviously when they move on on commercials and features suddenly there are other people involved it's it's the, who have a say um yeah. the, the money yeah. people talk
2: yeah. <laughs> I, see, always, I, see. Always. <laughs> I wanted to ask as well you spoke a little bit about you know what you feel directors shortcomings are often often are on these short film projects whereas you know they're like they're too limited in what they what they want then you know perhaps narrow-minded in in terms of a certain type of actor or, or a specific person they want for a role but actually more generally because you've worked on so many projects I wondered if there was like I don't know advice you give for directors or anything else that springs to mind if not the casting process something else that um, that you might have I think or really- mistakes you see time and time again.
3: I think the mistakes that you see time and time again—I've kind of, of things that we've kind of already talked about of getting stuck stuck in a rut and thinking Mm -hmm. and and only thinking fish and chips.
4: Yeah, fish and chips. It's going to be the key word of this episode. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're going to title this "Fish and Chips." (laughs) It's
3: it's making me really hungry. Um,
2: (laughs) Same,
3: but it it is—it's that getting stuck in a rut and not wanting to, or not having the guts to go and try something slightly different. And I think a short film is a place where you can try something slightly different. You can be a bit adventurous on the casting. um, Mm -hmm. And allow the casting director to lead you in a route that you think you might not want to go down, because you know what, it might work.
4: So you were talking earlier about um doing workshops with kids and things like that. I'm I'm intrigued if you're casting something like um a older brother and a younger brother or romance and things like that and it it's it's to do with chemistry, it's something I'm I'm doing at the moment. How do you normally I guess you, it depends on the filmmaker, right? But do you normally cast is there one that you normally cast and you cast off of that or are you trying to cast both of them together? And and how are you doing that in the age of self-tapes and you know trying to match self-tapes up and things like that? I imagine it's... it's um, I found the process really difficult anyway, but I imagine it is. I know. think
3: in the age of self-tapes, it's a question of actually just making sure that you've got the two self-tapes running side almost side-by-side side on your laptop and having a look and making sure that there's a match. And then it's a question of getting people on the Zoom and getting them together on a Zoom call it isn't it isn't the easiest thing to try and get a chemistry read on a zoom but it can happen um, and then also it's it's a question of just trusting that if you've got good actors they're going to make it work if you got Yeah two- that's sort of,
2: that's sort of what I was saying to Will like you know if, if the actors are good then i you know it's very unlikely that they're, that they're not going to have chemistry um, have you ever had an occasion, Andrea, where you've, you've cast two people who were independently very good and they didn't seem to have chemistry?
3: I'm thinking. Um,
2: yeah.
3: No, I can't think mm. of anything. Yeah. Because I think if an actor's good and can play the role, they're right for the role and therefore the ro- they're going to have the right Chemistry—they're going to have the right dynamic because they're playing the right role for them. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And on the whole, actors are really lovely people, so mm-hmm. you know they're going to get on with each other.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: Or, or if they don't, they're really good at hiding it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah, there, there is that. Brilliant. You know, like I don't know if it's just if this is an American thing, but. um chemistry reads you know you like you hear a lot about that sort of thing where you'll get two actors in a room and then you'll be pairing off with different actors to see who's who's got the most spark or, or whatever um or that sort of thing but that doesn't that wouldn't happen in your experience andrea that's that's more like you know kind of the zoom or the impersonal audition
3: i mean it's something that we do quite a lot in commercials or we definitely do that and on short films i have done it um just to kind of maybe more workshop it and definitely with kids I've done it with kids because kids they need to be able to bounce off each other because they haven't they haven't they haven't got the the skills that the adult actors have got to to make it work it's got to naturally be there Um, so yes it does happen and on feature films we have chemistry reads as well you know they do happen but probably not as often as they do on the big American projects.
2: So many more avenues we could go down. Like, um, yeah, I'd be cu- I, yeah, curious about kids generally, like how, yeah, how you spot what is a good child actor and like what, you know, even if you're like, you know, I, I imagine it's it's also very important to have like an, an adult actor who knows what they're doing in that situation. Like if they're going off, going off a child actor, you know.
3: Definitely. I mean, it, it Have that craft. It's something that you that 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 is something that I am missing from being in the room. Is being in the room with with being in the room with kids because directing a child and trying to get a performance out of them, you have to try. You have to work so hard at it because you have to try and find a route into their head and find out how they can kind of identify with a role and which bits of their life. They can kind of see mirroring the characters, and you're not going to do that easily unless you're in the room with them. Mm. Um, so that bit I am missing a lot. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, I think adult actors working with kids it must be a, a very different skill set, um, particularly yeah. if you haven't got kids of your own.
2: Yeah, totally. Yeah. I, I was reading him. There was I can't remember if it was like. Charlotte Wells talking about it, about After Sun, which, by the way, is an amazing oh, so movie good. if you haven't seen Andrea. Yeah. Um, but there's a really great um, child performance in it. And I think Charlotte Wells was saying, like, who's the director of that movie? was saying that the child actor will just go off in so many different directions on the take, and the actor, the adult actor, has to be willing to be like, just go with it and mm-hmm. make it work in the scene. Um, you know, so that that, that, that was like a... So the adult actor has to be skilled enough to navigate that sort of like, where are we? We don't know what terrain we're on, but we're gonna try and bring it back to, to, you know, to make this work.
3: Yeah, they've got to roll with it.
2: Yeah, Because <laughs> um, yeah.
3: yeah. kids will just do their thing. Yeah. And um, I, I, it's very difficult to get a kid to do two takes that are exactly the same. So mm. the adult actors have got to just kind of roll with the punches.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, so, yeah, the question we always ask in the podcast is, uh, what is your favourite short film or a short film that's had a big impact impact on you and it can be one of your own films?
3: Well, I'm glad you said it can be one of my own films. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because um, particularly, there's one that I love and I just love it because working on it was such a really good, fun experience. And the final... When I sat down and actually watched it, I was like, do you know what? This is exactly what I thought it was going to be like. Plus, I mean, it's just, I loved it. And it's quite topical because it's called The Naughty List. And it is about an, uh, a bad, Sa- it, yeah. bad Santa <laughs> Claus. And it's got everything I love. It's dark mm. humour. It's violent. <laughs> it's irrelevant. <laughs> it's irre- if, not irrelevant. Irreverent. Irrelevant. Irreverent. Yeah,
2: right,
3: yeah. And I loved I'm, And for me, I cast some lovely actors in it, including um, Sebastian Knapp, who I first cast when he was, I think, about seven years old. Whoa. And to cast him as an adult in this um, really fun film, it was brilliant. So I, it's something like, it's one of my short films that I can just go back and watch over and over again. And yeah. normally in the run up to Christmas, it kind of heralds the start of Christmas for me. Oh, that's
4: great. <laughs>
2: yeah, we both watched that and we really yeah. enjoyed it. Really it's, loved it. it. We'll, we'll link it in the episode description. It's, it just kind of goes places that you just have no idea that it's going to go. Yeah, um, you know, yeah, just it's lo- very clever. Yeah
3: yeah it's one of those ones that you kind of like oh it's christmas watch the naughty list yeah. oh make make sure the children are not in the room
2: <laughs>
4: yeah yeah, totally, yeah definitely yeah. make sure the children aren't in the room yeah. <laughs> for, for that it is great it is really really great
2: awesome well yeah we better call it call it there because that's um yeah that's coming up to our hour with you i don't want to keep you any, any longer but thank you so much I yeah mean, thank that's, you that's been great thank
4: great you